1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BG void we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry? <sighs> Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer
1: solitaire. Huh? Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for chumba casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: The Broncos coming after far Throws it over the middle. Intercepted and trumped the first championship for John Elway of the Denver franchise.
1: The crowd goes crazy. Jokic has a triple-double. Intercepted by Colorado.
2: Beyond figures.
1: Colorado has defeated Notre Dame 10-9. This. Just like a dagger in the heart of the Detroit runway. Spanning Colorado sports, college and pro, it's time for Clar and Company. Brought to you by Argonaut. On behalf of the Other Side Academy Addiction Services, with Michael Clar, national, regional, and local voices on Clar and Company are heard on the winnersandwiners.com hotline.
0: And welcome, everybody. Happy Saturday morning. It is Clark and Company, and I'm Michael Clark. And uh, we offer you a moment of clarity from 8 to 10 this morning, followed by Clemson and Wake Forest. Uh, big game here. And, of course, on the fan, you know, starting at noon, pregame, you'll be able to get the Colorado State game uh, against uh, Sacramento State, who is a... Power. We'll be talking about that uh, later in the show with Sean Keeler. Uh, that is hardly uh, a gimme for Jay Norvell's first game. But we open today, as usual, with a Broncos blast. We'll have another one, Kyle Newman, uh, from The Post at 9.15, talking pure Broncos. Uh, and we do that this morning with Ian St. Clair. You can follow him at Ian St. Clair. Uh, follow him and read him at Colorado. PlayColorado.com and the Mile High Report. And he does that Broncos Odds and End Zones podcast. They renamed their podcast, he and Adam Adel And uh, good morning, Adam. Good
2: morning, Michael. It's uh, not the, the, the week where it feels like a win in Broncos country.
0: No, it doesn't. Uh, but but you're our, our glass more than like almost brimming, not even half full, guy.
2: <laughs> so. Oh, and, that's, and that's not going to change on this segment.
0: I didn't expect it to. So um, before I ask you if uh, if the Broncos um, if the Broncos are still in the preseason that they didn't have in the preseason. Um, let me let me let me let me say this. I think some people I was listening to uh, maybe they were national people misunderstood the Broncos fans and their disgust with, with the Broncos uh, turning on the home team, if uh, fairly early in this season. Um, and and I, don't, I don't think the fans were turning on the Broncos at all. I think what they were saying is that they were upset about just the sheer incompetence. Of the game management, I don't think they were booing their players. I don't think they were rooting against their own team or anything like that. Uh, it, it just uh, the unfathomable incompetence they saw during that game in terms of game management.
2: Yeah, I think that's absolutely it, and I think it's it's also <clears throat> there are high expectations for this team, and whether they were unrealistic at least to begin the year, I think that that's part of it too. I, I think they. They thought the Broncos would come out and look like Peyton Manning and the Broncos in 2013 when they scored over 600 points and made that, that run to the Super Bowl, and we'll forget what happened in the Super Bowl. But I, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it's totally what's been going on with clock and game management. And I, I think a lot of that, that, that it takes time to get that, especially when you're a rookie head coach. But there are just some things that fans – just can't they can't excuse, and one of them is not having a punt returner out there on your punt return. So I, I think it's just it's not so much that they're they're happening, but it's just how how often and how consistently it's happening.
0: You know, this could be revisionist, uh, uh, you know, defense of the Broncos by uh, former Broncos, for instance. But uh, the the theory uh, emerged or or the story emerged uh, late this week that actually the punt perner of uh, Montreal washington didn't go on the field because he saw that it would be too many men on the field and he didn't want to uh, give the broncos a penalty that would uh, that would uh, you know hurt hurt them that he actually was very uh astute for our young rookie
2: well i'll take that so uh, i hadn't heard that but well let's roll with it because i think nathaniel hackett needs all the <laughs> All the excuses he can get for how he's been managing his games, but I will say this, and I said it on my Broncos odds and ends of end zones podcast with Adam: if the Broncos score touchdowns, if they go fifty percent in the red zone against Seattle and against Houston, neither of these games are close, and I don't think that we're I, I, we're not we're not as focused on the game management and clock management issues because in both instances. Neither of the games were close, and the Broncos blow out both the Seahawks and the Texans. So that's what I'm focusing on, is the red zone and go-to-goal issues.
0: No, no question. I mean, the Broncos have a clear superiority in talent over the two teams that they played so close, one of which they lost, unfathomably. <laughs> um, but, but isn't that the point? <laughs> that they didn't. And why not? And in one case, in the Seattle case, it's not all Hackett's. It's not even primarily Hackett's fault, in my opinion, because they do give the ball to the running backs on the one yard line and both fumble. And and that's not something that shocks us about uh about melvin gordon but it does a bit about uh javante williams but in both cases there he did use the running backs he did do the right thing uh and they still didn't execute and that and that comes back to you know the question we're starting with you know uh are, are the broncos still uh in the preseason that they didn't have under under coach hugs
2: well it's not just the two fumbles it's the the shovel pass to Andrew Beck that gets called back because of a Cortland Sutton false start penalty it's two touchdowns that are basically toenails with the second foot out of bounds it's the the other near tight end catch against Seattle so I mean it's not like they're that far away and it's not like, I mean, obviously the two fumbles. One of them, I think, was caused because Quinn Meniers got hurt and Graham Glasgow got blown up on his play, and I think it was the Javante Williams fumble. So in terms of the penalties, that's where you can say that they're still in preseason mode. But I think the execution has been there. They've just been incredibly unlucky on some of these red zone and go-to-go situations. And I think at some point that has to flip and i think it happens this sunday night but the penalties obviously needs to they need to be addressed they need to be cut down but the, the offense is one of the best in football in terms of drives uh, yards per drive they're able to move the football at will against either defense against seattle and houston it's just a matter of finishing drives now and then zero Everos defense has been phenomenal after that first half against the Seahawks, they haven't given up a touchdown. So it's right there for the team. It's just a matter now of finishing it off, basically putting a ball on it and you do that by scoring touchdowns.
0: okay you know but the, but the problem with all of that is these were two teams where the Broncos had a serious advantage in talent. Uh, and, and especially a quarterback, and they, and, and they were life and death with both teams, and they didn't play well, and they made the mistakes that you you, you may you probably wouldn't have made hardly any of those if you have a preseason, a normal preseason where guys hit and guys are in football shape, not just in good condition, uh, and now they play a team that, that arguably, I would say, has more talent than, than they do. And and has just gone back to a veteran quarterback that that takes them to championship games, to their division champion, you know, to their uh, their conference championship game. Uh, Broncos hurt by injuries, decimated in some cases, missing key players. Here's a team that got better because of injury, because Trey Lance's learning curve is cut short. He's not on the field, and you got a guy who wins who is in there, who can do the job. He may not be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, but this is a much better team with with Jimmy Garoppolo, at least first half of the season. And this this is a whole other deal. So you actually think they wake up against a terrific offensive and defensive team?
2: This is a team that two weeks ago lost to the Bears. Are we focused on the 49ers because they blew out? The Seahawks, and forgetting about what happened against Chicago, or are we doing that because Trey Lance got hurt? So I, I'm looking at it like, okay, so they blow out the Seahawks, but are we forgetting what happened against the Bears?
0: No, so, but, no, we don't, we're not, but it's the same as the Broncos losing their first game for the same reason. You know, they, don't, they didn't uh, prepare in preseason.
2: So I, I'm looking at this game, and I, I, there is a, a clear advantage of quarterback. Russell Wilson is so far superior and better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And Russell Wilson knows how to play against the San Francisco 49ers. He has 16 wins against this team. In his last five games, he's 4-1 against the 49ers with 13 total touchdowns and one interception. With all the focus on the red zone issues, on all the focus on goal-to-go situations, on clock and game management, the fact that this game is on Sunday night football at home, the Broncos are going to put an emphasis on it as they have all week. And I think they are going to look like the team that we thought they were going to look like against Seattle and against Houston.
0: All right. So you mentioned the uh, the good offense puts up yards and they certainly did against uh, Seattle put up yards. They are number seven in the NFL in total offense. Very impressive but 24th in points per game. And that's the only stat at the end of the day that matters. So, all right, give us the breakdown on this one. Why and where will the Broncos succeed? And what's your your prediction?
2: I think the Broncos' defense, as I mentioned, has been phenomenal after the first half against the Seattle Seahawks. I think D.J. Jones... You're going to get Josie Jewell back as middle linebacker. He's going to be there with Jonas Griffith in the middle. I think that's going to really help them make this offense one-dimensional because if you take away the running game, you make Jimmy Garoppolo have to throw the football. And when he has to do that, he's not very good, and neither is this offense. That's going to allow Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb to get off the edge and get pressure on this quarterback. It all comes down to making – the San Francisco 49ers offense, one-dimensional. And I think D.J. Jones is going to be able to be the catalyst, the harbinger to make that happen. I think the offense, like I said, they've been able to move the ball at will. I think that's going to continue against this defense because Russell Wilson knows how to have success against the San Francisco 49ers. Sounds like Jerry Judy and Pat Sertan are both going to be playing. I think that's huge for this team, especially Jerry Judy. K.J. Hamler is going to be playing. If the Broncos on their first possession, I would love for Nathaniel Hackett to call up a deep shot to KJ Hamler, complete the pass. You get the you get the crowd fired up. You get the offense getting some confidence. I, I just it feels, and I'm not just being a Broncos homer. This feels like a Broncos game that comes together and they route the 49ers. I'm not saying that it's going to be close. I think the I think the Broncos put it all together and do what they should have done the first two weeks.
0: eye would be deafening if he opens up with a big, long shot down the field and Hamler brings it in. What's your score?
2: I have it 31-17 Broncos. I, I think the way the defense has been able to play and keep the, the opposing offenses at bay, if they can make the 49ers one-dimensional, which I think they can with D.J. Jones and Josie Jewell, and the offense is going to be able to finish drives. I have a 31-17 Broncos.
0: All right. Wow. Bronco fans are once again cheered by your glass uh, brimming, <laughs> not not just half full. Uh, and and uh frankly, I think the 49ers win a close one here, but we'll see. Ian, always a pleasure. We'll uh we'll compare notes next week. Thank you.
2: All uh, the the glass will either have been empty and and toastful or it'll the been thrown against the wall
0: but. yeah broken in the fireplace okay <laughs> thank you <laughs> Thanks, all right uh, we follow this with midwest one banks kicking it with kiz mark Kizla and i debate when kiz asks uh four teams in our dusty old cow town spent nearly uh 800 million dollars this year on players to be face of the franchise rank them. bryant mckinnon Jokic, and wilson who's the most valuable
1: you're listening to Clar and Company with Michael Clark Saturday mornings at 8, presented by Argonaut on behalf of the Other Side Academy Addiction Services.
0: All guests on Clar and Company are heard on the winnersandwiners.com hotline.